Welcome to the Property Nomad podcast. We've got a great guest today. You want to stay tuned till nearer the end as he, this guest is going to be giving you a lot of really useful practical information about energy saving tips with within your home or your portfolio. If you listen to this and you're a landlord, uh, Rob Nazard, uh, Nazard, sorry, uh, UK radiators. We're going to might geek out a little bit about radiators in this, but ultimately I'm going to be talking about there are ways that you can help cut down either not necessarily usage, but help to cut down your bills, but it's like tips, tricks, et cetera, et cetera. So very prevalent episode, given everything that's going on at the moment. Uh, Rob, uh, all great people are called Rob as far as I'm concerned, but thank you for Definitely your time agree. today. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so before we get into the, you know, the really good stuff, like radiators and tips and tricks, et cetera, a, a bit of background uh, about yourself, what is you doing now and what you were doing before? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so I've been, um, well, currently in the heating industry. I'm managing director at UK Radiators. I've been doing that for, for 12 years now. Um, prior to that, uh, I, I worked in uh, other similar type businesses um, and primarily e-commerce. So, I mean, depending on how far you want to go back, Rob, but I mean... We want to go back to the school days and things like that. I probably wouldn't have a great deal to tell you because <laughs> I wasn't there very often. Um, not really, not really much of a um, you know uh, academic, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I guess you would say entrepreneurial. I don't really like talking too positively about myself in that sense. But I guess you would say I was just always entrepreneurial. You know, I was always doing little business things. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly my um, plan, if you like, to get into radiators. Um, I was heavily into e-commerce. I, I, I was importing um, electrical goods from China and, and selling them online and have my own eBay store, all this kind of stuff. Um, and just where I, where I live and where the business is based in Colchester, in Essex, um, saw a job advertised for a, a, a local uh, e-commerce business and they happened to be selling like plumbing and heating goods online. Um, I wanted to expand on what I was doing and, and learn a bit more about uh, you know, e-commerce generally and, and online retail and, and, and go and work somewhere that was a bit bigger than what I was at the time. Um, and yeah, that's how, that's how I got into radiators. So it was me and, the, me and the owner of that business ended up starting what was originally Distinctive Wholesale Limited, which is a distributor of radiators for other online retailers. retailers. And that's then evolved into into UK radiators as it is today and UKRadiators.com. Oh, fantastic stuff. So I do like that entrepreneurial sort of streak and spirit and the fact that yeah, yeah, going from one section to another, it's all correlated in one way, shape, or form. And you know, now yeah, being you know UK radiators, I find that fascinating. I really do. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff happening, um, you know, at the moment in this uh, worldwide, but. Yeah, most of our listener base UK based. Um, yeah, I mean, without sort of geeking out too much on on radiators, obviously you get your different systems, don't you? You get mains gas systems. You can have uh, yeah electrical system, or you can even have oil. Um, do you want to run through the various, not every single radiator type as such, but do you want to run through the various no. different systems you can that you can have, and maybe some advantages, disadvantages, if there are any, of various systems. Yeah, um, I mean, for sure. So in terms of when it, when it comes to radiators, all, all of the radiators that, that we sell generally, you know, radiators generally can, can go onto any system. Um, so that, that's, quite a, that's quite a common question that comes up, to be fair. Like people want to know, like, um, is this radiator going to be suitable on my system? Um, generally speaking, if it's a wet system, you know, a radiator can go onto, can go onto any system. 
Um, advantages and disadvantages. I mean, at the moment, gas central heating systems uh, are more efficient. They're cheaper, um, cheaper to run. Um, so, you know, from a from a personal or an individual's perspective, gas central heating is is generally the way to go if you have a choice. But obviously, not everybody has a choice. In certain parts of the country, you may be, um, you know, away from the the gas supply, so you, so you end up, you know. Out in, out in the countryside and, and you have an oil-based heating system or, or something along those lines but um that really is more out of necessity than i than choice i would say because you mm-hmm. know the cost is going to be slightly higher than, than running a gas system um, when it comes to electric the the options when it comes to an entire electric system are, are still pretty pretty few um i mean you can have individual electric radiators right and individual electric heaters um, put throughout a house and sometimes that based on um, installation uh, constraints that is that is the way to go but you would i don't think you would you wouldn't choose to do that over and above a gas central heating system from an efficiency and a cost point of view um you know if you were if you were planning um, a development from scratch let's say it's highly unlikely that you would just decide to put all electric um, radiators throughout the property um, when you could um, install a, a gas entering system or now with the levels of insulation that you would have in the property, a heat pump or, or something like that. that. See, that fascinates me. So I'm going to attack, I'm going to attack this with my EPC head on. So you're saying that it, let's just take a typical 19, maybe 1950s, 1960s sort of council style property, semi-detached, whatever it might be. Yeah. So you're also, in fact, any property that's older than that, thinking about it. So you're saying from a generic efficiency point of view, that mains gas is the creme de la creme. It's number one. If you can get mains gas for your system, that's the best thing. But enviro-wise, and this is a thing I'm struggling to get my head around, that there's, there's this massive push towards you know solar, wind, electric, electric, electric. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, if you've done that, it's not overly efficient necessarily price-wise. Um, that's what I'm hearing. It's, mm. That's what I try to get my head around as an EPC person as well, is that if you go to a customer's house who've had, for example, um, a heat source pump retrofitted, because it's deep, depending on what heat pump you've got, um, it, it normally will go down on the software as an electric-only system. Actually, it decreases the EPC rate doesn't increase it it should increase it but it doesn't it makes it worse mains gas is still the best from an epc point of view so i would say i'm off on one but fascinated Mm. to hear that that from your perspective actually you know mains gas at the moment that's the most efficient way to heat your home fascinating well yeah yeah i mean i would i would just say uh, if you've got a very modern home like built post 2013 um, the level of the, the the level of insulation that you've got, you know, it, it it means that a heat pump potentially is going to be more efficient. Um, okay. Going to be able to run it at a much lower temperature. See, the thing about it's the same with, with, with gas as well. The thing about these systems is it's it's lower temperatures. Like as a general rule of thumb, uh, running the system at a lower temperature is going to be more efficient and more cost effective. It's the same with gas boilers. So if you've got a, a modern gas combi boiler. The way that you get the benefit of that is because it's condensing, um, and, mm-hmm. and but it can only condense, which means like reuse the the wasted heat um, if it's running at a low enough 
flow temperature or it's actually the return temperature that needs to be below a certain level to be able to get the, that condensing benefit. And so that's really, that's really the key to these more efficient systems is running them at lower temperatures. Now, obviously, to be able to do that, you need well-insulated properties because mm-hmm. yep. it, it, you know, it's, kind, it's kind of it maybe seems obvious, but uh, I think for some people it, it can be, you know, you can kind of be led to believe, oh, a heat pump's going to save me loads of money. But if your property is built in the 1960s, like you say, or even like pre-1990, um, it's not that it's not that clear cut, you know, because it really does depend on the level of insulation that, that you've got on your property, how well insulated it is, that's going to enable you to run the system at a lower temperature. Um, and again, when it comes to radiators as well, you are going to need appropriately sized radiators because if you're running your system at a lower temperature to get the heat out of the radiators and into the room, they need to be appropriately sized. So like a bigger radiator um, can provide a bigger radiator at a lower temperature will provide as much heat to the room as a smaller radiator at a higher temperature. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if it's appropriately, if it's got the appropriate size and it's running at the appropriate temperature, it will still have the same effect. Um, that makes sense to me. Uh, absolutely. It, it, it makes perfect sense. It's, and again, it's an interesting point. Now, I'm not sure that many people would necessarily have thought about before. So that's the whole point of having this podcast is yeah. actually it's, it's quite a fascinating topic. Um, yeah, so that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the kind of real real challenge that we're facing in the industry at the moment or that we're, lo- we're looking at in the industry at the moment. Um, that, you know, how to get that message across to people, how to best explain to people that if you see a radiator advertised online, you, you might see it, it might have a really high BTU number and you think, oh, that's great. That gives out loads of heat but you have to correlate that back to the system operating temperature because a radiator can provide a whole range of different heat outputs. It's all dependent on the system operating temperature. And quite often you'll see websites or catalogs even where they just advertise the highest possible heat output for that radiator. But what that would mean is running your system at such a high temperature that you're just burning so much fuel to get that heat. And you would never do that. Um, so it's, yeah, getting that message across to people is, is kind of the mission we're on at the moment, um, explaining to people that you, you, you need to be looking at the delta. So when you see a radiator advertised, it should have a delta rating as well. We okay. actually advertise our radiators with three different delta ratings just so people can understand. And sometimes it prompts them to ask the question as well. It prompts them to ask, look, what are these three different heat outputs? Why are there three different heat outputs for this radiator? And it gives us the opportunity to explain to them that at delta 30, the heat output is lower than at delta 70, but delta 70 means that your system is running at a much higher temperature and you're burning loads of fuel to get that heat. Um, what people need to be looking at is, especially to future-proof their systems when they are buying new radiators, is looking at the delta 30, working out the heat loss requirement for the room, the heat loss calculation for the room, um, and then sizing their radiator based on, based on a delta 30 because that way um, they're, they're going to future-proof, future-proof their system and enable them to get to the point where they can run their systems at, at lower temperatures. Just, uh, just to go back on that point, um, for people that might not understand the delta rating, because you just, like in layman's terms, what is, what is that delta rating? Yeah, so delta rating is, is in, in very simple terms, it's just the difference between the room temperature and the temperature of the water in your heating system. Okay. Um, and so if you... So 
the room temperature, so your if your desired room temperature is say 20 degrees, you want to keep your room at 20 degrees. Um, it, it's the difference between when you take the flow temperature of the system and the return temperature, you add them together, um, divide by two and then subtract the room temperature. And it gives you the difference between the, the temperature that you want the room at and then the, the, the operating temperature of your system. Because if you imagine if, if, the room is, if the room is sat at zero degrees, you need to raise the room temperature to 20 degrees, mm -hmm. then you need enough of a difference between the temperature in the system and temperature in the room and the temperature that you want to achieve to be able to do that. Sorry, I know it's getting a little bit, it's hard to explain it very, very simply, but that in the simplest terms, the delta is just the difference between the desired room temperature and the, the water temperature in the heating system. A lower delta is going to mean that your radiator gives a lower heat output, but it means that you're running your system at a lower temperature, which is more cost effective. Ah, perfect. Okay, so that makes that that makes perfect sense. Um, this question that just came into my head was: How do you know the most appropriate size radiator for a room? How how, how would the customer or a landlord or whomever how would they know that, or how would you know that? Is that down to heat loss yeah. perimeters, or how do you work that? Yeah. Out? Yeah, so it is quite a complex calculation. You have to perform an entire heat loss calculation, and and you've, I couldn't even go through that with you now. It's so complicated. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, what we do, uh, what we what we're building at the moment, which is set to launch in the next two weeks, is 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 a web based application called Radsizer, um, which effectively is going to make it really really easy for people to do that. Um, okay. You go on. It would take them about seven minutes to complete the questions. And it's all questions about your property, when it was built, you know, what's, what's in the room that you're looking to heat, what's around the room that you're looking to heat, where you are in the country, uh, because obviously geographic, geographical locations have an impact on outside temperatures, which then has an impact on um, the, 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 the lowest possible temperatures you are trying to get beyond, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yep. So Rad Sizer is our solution to that. Um, it's going to make it really, really easy for people to just go through, answer, uh, a, a, I say a few questions. There are quite a few questions. It takes uh, on average about seven minutes to complete. And then the system will tell you what size radiator you need. I, I, I love it. I, I also love getting into the, like, the real nooks and crannies of this stuff as well. It's, yeah, it, it's really, really good information. Very useful. Uh, what I would say is as and when that launches, Rob, uh, if you pop over, uh, some form of web link we'll put that in the show notes and then in people that yeah. are listening to this uh we'll be able to you know use that moving yeah. forward oh yeah we'll do that for sure i guess then rather than going off on a mul mul multiple tangents and you know because we can take this conversation anywhere um let's go let's go on to these sort of practical pieces of advice obviously a lot of stuff going on externally at the moment um and there's always you know, I don't know, Martin Lewis is the person that I, I think of immediately. He's got yeah. great, yeah, great email once a week and loads of you know great information in there. But where you're an expert on heating systems and radiators, uh, what what sort of things could people do in order to either maximise their heating efficiency and, and and keep bills, you know, as 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 decent as possible without freezing themselves to death? 
Yeah. So, I mean, when, when we, we, we've been doing a lot on this at the moment. Um, so uh, as well as, um, you know, the fact that we sell radiators, um, we do also have on our website an advice center. So ukradiators.com forward slash advice center, where we just put as much information as we can for people, whether it's specifically related to radiators or not. And so obviously a lot of questions that we're getting at the moment um, everywhere, like whether it's you know, interpersonal personal relationships or whether it's, you know, even uh, members of the team, it, this is stuff that people want to know. So we put a lot of work into this and, uh, and we have got a lot of advice on the website for this as well. Um, the reason I've kind of, I'm kind of pre, um, pre-facing what I'm saying with this is because it's, it is a complicated topic and there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. So what I don't want to do is, is say to you like, I'm going to give you some tips, but what I don't want to do is say, here's some tips and they'll be suitable for everybody because it doesn't work like that. Everybody's got different systems with different levels of insulation, properties built at different times. And so there really is no one size fits all. So the first thing that people need to do is understand the system that they've got in place. They need to understand what they're working with, right? Because everyone's going to have different, different circumstances. So that, that's number one, understand your own system um, and then move forwards from there. Um, obviously the aim, you know, what we want to achieve, we want to reduce the amount of heat we're generating without compromising on comfort. Um, you know, you know, reduce waste, significantly reduce the amount of heat that we're wasting. Um, and then we also want to slow the rate of heat loss. So we want to make the most of the heat that we heat that we are generating. Um, so, I mean, in terms of like reducing the amount of heat that we generate in the first place without compromising on comfort, some, some key ways to do that would be, uh, to remove air from the system. So you, you would do this by bleeding radiators, for example. Um, there was a study conducted in the Netherlands, actually, that showed that air in the system um, can increase energy use by up to 6%. Wow. Um, so, you know, in, in these current times, that can be quite significant. Mm. Uh, when to bleed your radiators, if you've got cold spots at the top of your radiators, you, you know, when you've got your heating system on, you just want to go around, check your radiators, just touch the tops. If, if any of them have got any kind of cold spots or anything like that, it means that there's air in there and they, and they need to be bled. Um, and doing that will improve the efficiency of the system overall um, and, and, and will save you money uh, on your heating bills as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so another one uh, to reduce, so reducing um, heat in unused spaces. So this is one that isn't necessarily, it is going to be situational. Um, so it's not necessarily the best thing to do in all situations. If you've got a well-insulated property and you've got a modulating thermostat, for example, um, on your boiler, then you may not want to do this. It may not be the right thing to do, but if you don't have that in place, then it's highly likely that this will this will save money because you know if you're heating unused rooms, um, especially at uh, this this kind of part of the year, like when you're in sort of November, it's not really really cold outside. Um, you really don't want to be just uh, wasting heat by heating unused spaces. So using your TRVs to turn down the temperature in those unused spaces. Um, there's some information out there and some studies out there that say that, it, that proper and effective use and management of your system using TRVs can save up to 12% on your heating bills. I think that's from Energy Saving Trust. Um, it's obviously a reliable source. Um, commonly, um, people with TRVs are only saving about 2 to 3%, but the, the, the kind of prevailing wisdom there is that it's, they've got the TRVs, but they're not using them effectively. Yeah, that again makes sense to me. And just uh, just in case people are wondering what a TRV is, 
Uh, it's not a vehicle. It's a thermostatic radiator <laughs> yes, valve. Um, so yeah, you'll find the, the the big knobbly things normally on your radiators. That's what a TRV is. But no point point taken, Rob. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then something else um, that we've been doing a lot of research into at the moment, um, and we've got a, a, an article that, that's either live or just about to go live on this on this topic: um, weather compensation. So the the kind of the, the thought process here um, is that your heating system is designed uh, to heat your home uh, from, uh, generally speaking, minus one degrees up and up to your um, desired room temperature so that's this kind of that's the temperature that's used as the outside temperature when when doing heat loss calculations and to calculate what is going to be required to heat your home um, most of the winter or most of the time that you're using your heating system it isn't minus one degrees outside right there's only the very very coldest parts of the year so what this means is that the, the flow temperature or the, the the temperature that you're operating your system and this this advice is really for gas boilers i think 90 percent of the homes in the country are gas boilers as it's going to vary slightly if you have got a heat pump or if you have got a different different type of system but for the gas central heating systems um if the system is designed um as i say with, with that minus one degree temperature in mind it means that for most of the year it's actually operating at, at too high of a flow temperature and you can reduce that flow that flow temperature down um, and save money. Um, there, there's estimates between 10 and 40% that you can save um, by reducing the flow temperature on your heating system because at that top end, that 40% end, that's really where you've got a gas boiler that um, is an A-rated gas boiler but isn't currently operating in condensing mode at all. And so by reducing the flow temperature, what it means is that you then get the efficiencies out of the boiler because it can then operate in condensing mode. Um, weather compensation is a, a really, really good way to do that because, you, like I say, you don't necessarily need the, the design flow temperature um, at all points throughout the year. Um, so weather compensation can be done by installing a weather compensation control. So th this isn't something that we sell, but it's something that you can buy at a relatively low cost. Um, you know, it's, it's a type of boiler control. You would need a, a gas-safe registered heating engineer to, to advise properly on that and to install it for you. Um, but yeah, that's, there's real big savings to be had there. Um, what we've got in our article is, is explanations on how you can do this yourself, like how you can actually take control of the system yourself, because you can yourself turn down the flow temperature of your boiler. But before doing that, you really need to understand the system, understand what you've got in place and, 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 and you know, uh, really read up on on the detail of, of exactly what you're doing. You, you you read my mind there, Rob. So that's going to be my next question was, you know, if, if someone like me looking at my own boiler, could I possibly do that? But again, you've just answered that by saying, as long as you understand your system, you know, you should be able to do that. So you, you read my mind. Yep, can be done. Um, and then so some other things really for everybody, the, like some, some things that would be suitable for everybody. So remember I said that we, we want to, we want to be able to reduce the amount of heat that we're generating without compromising on comfort, but also we want to, we want to slow the rate of heat loss. So that what, what I'm saying really is we just want to keep the heat in the place that we want it to be. Like we pay all this money to generate all this heat. Um, we want to keep it in, in the place that we, that we want it to be for as long as possible. So we get to use that heat for as long as possible. Um, 
So some of these ones might might be a bit obvious, but some some key ones would be insulation. So you know, thinking about insulation first is is what I would do if if if, if um, I was I'm thinking about how to improve the efficiency of my system. I would start with insulation. Um, there's some quick wins. There's you know, hot water cylinders if you've got one, um, and it's not insulated. You can insulate your hot water cylinder, which will save you. Um, Wasting wasting energy there, and um, hot water pipes as well. Uh, you, you, you know you can insulate those. It's a really low cost way of of uh, reducing waste by. Um, uh, I think you probably you probably send them right. You get these uh, like foam covers that you put over your yep. your hot yep. water pipes. Yep. Um, obviously, slightly bigger ones, cavity wall insulation. So if you were looking to invest into future proof, um, this is where I would start. Cavity wall insulation if it's not already done. Um, you know, it is an investment, but it is going to save you a lot of money in the long run. Um, and then, uh, sorry, draft exclusion. I don't know if you forgot what I was saying. <laughs> draft exclusion. <laughs> so draft exclusion, again, really low cost, something that everybody can do. Um, under doors, around windows, um, really, really uh, kind of low cost, quick wins um, that, that you can that you can implement to reduce or to slow the rate of heat loss um also uh closing doors i know that probably sounds a bit obvious but closing internal doors so understanding heat right what the way the heat works is it wants to go to the coldest possible place right so if you've got a really nice warm living room um and then somebody comes to the front door uh you go and open the front door with your living room door open, the heat is going to rush out of that front door. I know it might sound obvious, but closing the living room door before you open the front door um, is, is going to keep the heat in. And like, I, I don't want to kind of come across as like kind of talk, you know, saying stuff that's really too obvious, but th- these are the kind of things that I think people need to be thinking about and just sort of mm-hmm. thinking about heat in the sense of, you know, you've paid to generate this heat, keep a hold of it. Um, and these are the ways that you do that. Um, some other quick tips. So moving your furniture away from radiators. So if you wherever you put your radiators is, is, is generally fine. Um, some pe- a lot of people ask, you know, should a radiator be installed under a window or on an opposite oh. wall or whatever? It doesn't make that much difference. The thing that makes a real difference is whether you, you're blocking the radiator. It needs airflow to properly um, convect heat around the room. So moving obstructions or moving furniture away from radiators, um, make sure they're not covered by curtains or, or anything at all, really. Um, and then the other big one, I think that people are sometimes unsure about, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is, is you know if they've got, say, a portable electric heater and the gas central heating system, or in one room, maybe they've got an electric fire um, and they've also got a gas central heating system. What, what should they use? Should they use the gas central heating or should they use the electric? Um, gas is cheaper than electric. And so if we're talking about money saving, then the gas central heating is the way to go. Use your gas central heating. You, you're going to cost yourself more money by trying to heat your home with your portable electric heaters or your gas fire. So, yeah. That's probably all the tips I've got for you. <laughs> oh, no, I, pr- I appreciate that. And, yeah, no, don't, don't, uh, no need to apologize for, you know, any of those tips at all. Cause again, these are things that maybe some people have thought about. Maybe some people are completely oblivious to. And it's the whole point of having you on the show is, you know, providing yeah, yeah. that information in the first place. So 
I, I guess my my, only, my my last question, and thank you for those useful bits and pieces of information. I, I quite like the one about closing your doors before opening other doors, actually. That's pretty good. Um, I think I know the answer because I think you've alluded to it earlier on. If you are, if you're running the system, and obviously you know, we're coming to the colder part of the year, is it better to keep turning it on and off, or if you can maintain it at a lowish temperature, is that more economical for your boiler? I'm just going to talk regular mains gas. Is it better to have you just boiler on at a lower temperature or on off on off? Does is there no difference? When when we're talking about lower temperatures, um, are we are we talking? Uh, 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 do you mean the flow temperature of the boiler, um, or do you mean the room temperature at your room stat? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the uh, room stat. So, is it better to say have it on 18 degrees um, and have it on for a longer period of time, or you know, is it better to then put it on on a 20, 22, but are you only have it on for an hour or two a day? Does it make a difference to boiler efficiency? Um, hopefully that question makes sense. If it's too generic, I'll try and no, 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 it does, and it, and it comes up all the time. It really does. I just wanted to clarify, you know, whether we're talking about the room stat or the or the flow temperature of the boiler, because the two things, you know, they, it can become confusing uh, mm. for people. Um, but so if we're talking about control with the room stat, having the room stat set um, to eighteen degrees versus twenty degrees would absolutely represent a cost saving. Um, the way that a room stat works, though, is that it calls for heat from the boiler when the temperature of the room drops below the desired or the set room temperature. So if you set it to 18 degrees, if the room drops to 17 degrees, it will call for heat from the boiler. And so the boiler will fire up and it will bring your room back up to 18 degrees. Um, so really what you're doing um, by having it at 18 degrees is, is you, are you, you are turning your boiler on and off automatically. Um, just keeping your room at 18 degrees. It, it's really about comfort as well, right? So if you're using the room, keep it at 18 degrees. But if you're out all day, there's no point in heating an empty room or an empty house to 18 degrees or 20 degrees or whatever your desired comfort level is all day yep. long, just so that when you come home, it is warm. What you want to be able to do, though, is use a timer so that when you it comes on, say, an hour before you come home from work. Uh -huh. um, so that you walk into a, a, a warm room because you want that comfort, but you don't need to heat your room all day long to be able to achieve that. Again, makes yeah, makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that. That's something that's playing around in my mind. And Robert, I think there's so much great and useful content there. So thank you for taking the time to to sure. explain all of that. If people wanted to find out more about yourself or UK Radiators, where where do people find you? Yeah, so Instagram at UK Radiators. Uh, we're, uh, we're always sharing tips and tips and advice on there. Uh, the website ukradiators.com. Um, as, as as mentioned earlier, we have an advice center on there as well. ukradiators.com forward slash advice center, or you can find the link to it on the website. Um, they're, they're the two main places. We are on Facebook as well. Um, again, at UK Radiators. Uh, I think we have a TikTok as well. Pretty new, but um, yeah. It's quite difficult to make TikToks about radiators, believe it or not, but <laughs> we're trying. Oh, I've seen all sorts of things on TikToks. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll succeed somehow. Yeah, yeah we're uh, getting there. Uh, thanks again. I uh, really, really appreciate that. Hopefully people listening are going to be able to you know, scribble down some notes and start implementing things that you've said. Uh, as usual, we'll put links and whatnot into the show notes, so yeah. you, you'll be able to contact Rob. Uh, just look in the show notes. Uh, Rob, thank you very much for your time and um, look forward to uh, catching up soon. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you.